0: Hey guys, welcome back to the IkeCast. This is Chris and I'm with my co-host Ike as always. Say hi Ike.
1: Hey guys, thanks for joining us.
0: Yeah, uh, I mean so today it's going to be I think a pretty concise one because we actually were able to think about Our topic really in advance on this one Um,
1: (laughs) not that we don't think about but you were usually reacting to like news events that have happened I'm sorry I had to laugh at that one (laughs) you're you're making it sound like we're going by the seat of our pants flying by the seat of our pants
0: I think I like it that way though I like it you know just being able to to react (laughs) to a situation give our like gut feeling right away and then maybe you know give an addendum later when we have a better idea or a better sort of thought that pops up, but this yeah. one is something that I think that we have a great sort of deep understanding and experience with, and I guess we'll start off with our main sort of topic, our political topic of the day, which is, um, you know, just the United States medical system and the medical system around the world, right? When it comes to uh, just Medicare for 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 all, right? This this right. idea that's being pushed,
1: yeah, and that ties into also the. You know, every, when they argue against Medicare for all, they throw that word around socialism, right? Yeah. So it, it sort of ties in back to that as well. But yeah, and um, guys, the topic came out of actually our, our podcast last week. So the funny thing was uh, we finished our podcast, we uploaded it, published it, and me and Chris continue to talk the way we normally will. And I just, you know, while we're talking about um, some of the bigger issues, I just started to calculate how much I've spent on medical insurance. And this is, so here in the US, the way medical insurance works is you go through private companies, right? If you work for a company, you may have a really good, robust medical insurance package where your co or contribution to the insurance is minimal or you work for organizations where you've got a higher copay. And, um, you know, and so there's a what what do I mean by that is so, for example, if your insurance, if the insurance come back, comes back to you and says we're going to for singles. Uh, company you're we're going to charge you 650 and for married or family we're going to charge you know 1700 well companies what they might do is say okay 1700 is really high for family right so we're going to take care of a percentage some companies will pay 90 percent of that cost some companies will only pay 25 i worked for an employer who did not want to pay a whole lot the employee was the one who um, ended up taking a taking on a significant amount of the burden. As insurance costs went up, the company's the company was not increasing their own costs; they just passed it on to an employee. So you went from when I first joined a company, where my monthly cost was I think eighty nine, to when I um, left the company and started my own business, I i was paying close to 400 um a
0: month Uh, in insurance i want i want uh, to generally go what is the time frame on this when did you like yeah
1: so it's it's like a it's a 13 year time frame right so
0: so i in 13 years 89 to almost 400 is uh it's quite a bit that that goes past like you know say inflation
1: yeah it it is it's huge and then when i went independent chris I remember my, because then I had to go private, right? I didn't have, and I say this in quotes, I didn't have a a subsidy by my employer. So the full cost was on me. And um, my, I started off with 650, right? Per month. And each year it went up over six years. Until last year, I was paying nine hundred and twenty-six.
0: Yeah, I know. I'm. I, when and that's it comes over to, a
1: six-year period.
0: Yeah, I mean, isn't it kind of crazy though that there's this all of this stuff that pops up when it comes to, like, medical costs and insurance, and that your system in the United States is based on employers. Like, literally, you're beholden to how well your employer wants to cover you, right? And then. Well,
1: yeah. And here it's the thing is that the system is built up so that th- the bigger the employer, the more they have in terms of bargaining with the insurance companies. Right. But if you're a small employer, like I miss, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm considered a small business, right? As a small business, I don't have that buying power luxury. Right. So what insurance so this is, I mean, it's, it's a, it's an insane system um that's being built up you as an individual you can go directly to the insurance companies um or you can go through insurance brokers i mean i have looked at going through an insurance broker because what insurance brokers do will do is they'll pool, you know small businesses that fit a certain number of employee framework together combine them pool them and then Go to the insurance company and say, "Hey, I've got a group of small business owners with employees of up to ten. I'm just throwing that number out there, right? And what what's the best coverage you can give for them, and what's the best cost?
0: Yeah, um, the best and, the best way and to do that. Yeah, the the best way to really put this is like the American system fundamentally works on the idea." Where you know hospitals are private entities, and they could be part of larger private you know hospital networks or healthcare networks, yeah. right? right? And as such, you know they set their prices accordingly, you know individually, separate from each other, sort of different organizations. So the price of one hospital could be vastly different from the price of the next, and right. and while that works normally in a free market economy, right? It's like hey, listen, if you wanna, you you shop around for the best deal. That's not how it works in healthcare. Right. You don't get the option to go like, oh, I need to shop around who can get me the best deal. It's like I'm fucking dying. (laughs) Right.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: You know, I need to get help. And that's in the emergency situation. In the non-emergency situation, it's not like these guys, you know, advertise their prices for cancer treatment or or something else. It's not like this is available. but
1: Here's the thing is, you know, everybody thinks that um, doctors are making money hand over fist. No. And they're not because the ones who are making money hand over fist is the insurance companies.
0: Oh yeah. And in the United States, you guys have a freaking cartel. You have a Me goddamn too. cabal of, you know, nefarious individuals who are middlemen between you and your doctor. And they're the yeah. ones who determine, Oh, well, I'm sorry, this doctor's not in our coverage area. Fuck right. you mean it's not in our and, coverage area.
1: And Chris, I haven't even like gone to okay, so I'm paying monthly for insurance coverage, right? But every time I go visit a doctor, again, it's dependent on your coverage. But if you you also have to do what's pay a copay. So every time you visit a doctor, you're giving the doctor's office a copay payment of it can be as low as $10 (laughs) to as high as 100. And here's the thing, if your copay is 10, that means your monthly most in most cases your monthly insurance cost is high.
0: Yeah. No. So but if
1: you reduce your monthly insurance cost, your copay will go up. So, you know, most times it's okay, but what if you go through a period of time like COVID nineteen, right? Where you have to visit your doctor uh more you know, more extensively or, or uh more often than you would have under normal times and so if you opt for a lower monthly but a higher copay that ends up adding up too
0: okay so and there's
1: a different there's a different rate for your general practitioner and it's a different rate for specialists
0: of course and so i (laughs) i want to i want to limit the the discussion in terms of the united united states medical system partially because i think people are well aware and most of our listeners tend to be United States uh, listeners, um, people are well aware of yes, how the but system I think this works.
1: This is a cautionary tale yeah. for those who for those countries like the yeah. UK, Europe, Canada, where they do have a a, a public system. Yeah. A public health care yeah. or national health care. Sorry, not public national health care. And they're looking at privatizing because, yeah. you know, that discussion has been there.
0: Yeah. So I hear this thing. All I just want to hit this topic before we switch and go. What is our main focus? Which is looking at healthcare systems around the world. Um, Yeah. But one of the main focuses and a lot of sort of counterpoints I hear is that the best doctors in the the world are in the United States, right? Um, And they're not wrong. Some of the best doctors on the planet are in the United States. But unless you're some of the best
1: research facilities are in the United States.
0: Very much so. Right, of course, the United States has become anti-intellectual as time goes on, and a lot of those people are moving to Europe, moving to Canada, right? But for the for the most part, yes, a lot of the best facilities, best you know, tools, medicine, you know, uh, everything exists in the United States. You know, and if you are a goddamn Saudi prince, then you can freaking get access to this shit, right? If you're not, if you're not some billionaire, or if you're not already wealthy. Right, you don't have access to this thing. It doesn't r- realistically. Well, I think speaking,
1: your access is limited, and I think um, yeah, you
0: there are so many gatekeepers, and yeah. the reality is the insurance is, company yeah. is the biggest, and, and
1: they've got you by the gonads.
0: And all, even on top of that, some of these super specialists, some of the best doctors in the world, you think they take insurance? Nah, man, you're paying you paying cash, right? You're you're that rich person who's paying cash at the Mayo Clinic. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and that is the reality. Of what we're in. It's yes, yeah. the United States has some of the best doctors. But you as an average person, the vast majority of people, us who are in the you know, the ninety nine percent realistically, will never get access or the ability to reach them. Right? And to be very fair, you don't need the best doctors in the world. You need competent doctors available. Right. right. You know, it's 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 not this weird thing where everything is has to be solved by Doctor House. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's this thing where you need to actually just get in front of a doctor so they can preempt something, right? And I've heard this statement before. uh, It's more of like an idiom, right? An ounce of prevention is worth more than a pound of cure. And that's the problem with medicine is that we're stuck on the cure part. We're not in in the prevention part. And prevention really helps. And prevention is possible if you have access to doctors to hospitals when you feel there's something wrong you don't hold it off for fear of a copay or for fear of a huge bill or the fact that you don't have insurance right yeah you don't hold it off
1: yeah and and chris you know what i I mean i'm talking about my experience in the state that i live in Mm -hmm. different states actually have different health care plans um yeah
0: uh, i'd like to point out this is this system is not all the way across the united states i mean hawaii has socialized health care for everybody
1: right Um, I think uh, Massachusetts uh, uh, Obamacare or the Affordable aka the Affordable Care Act and I have to say it that way because there's a lot of people who don't understand it's the same thing Um, dopes that they are Um, but is modeled after Massachusetts plan. yeah it's a heritage
0: it is a heritage it is a conservative heritage fund plan that, in my opinion, is garbage and doesn't actually solve the problem. All it does is that it builds more freaking, it, it, it adds on to the layer of insurance companies. This cartel yeah. of, you know, disgusting individuals who choose life and death. I remember when Obamacare, uh, the Affordable Care Act, came out and the whole death panel mm-hmm. thing got pushed up by right-wing media and, like, you know, people like Palin and rest, right? Oh, there's going to be death panels, right? And I'm like, there's already death panels when they decide to, you know, deny you coverage. Right right let's not pretend yeah. right and they're like oh yeah but why should i pay for someone else's health care like that's what a fucking insurance company is you're paying not for yourself but for someone else it goes into a pool it's a pot that gets drawn out from
1: right and that's a very important point because um credits um insurance companies when they give out quotes to companies they will take a look at the um age makeup of that company if you have Older employees, the insurance company is going to rack up the price or what's available for, uh, for that company to contribute to or to get in order for them to provide that, and I put this again in quotes, benefit to their employees.
0: Yeah, I mean, all in all, I think that's a nice little encapsulation of the system.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: All in all, the United States system is shit. It is yes, all kinds of garbage. It's probably it's eleventh at eleventh in developed nations. It is a third world system pretending like it's in the first, right? It is yeah. this weird thing where it's oh you got money, sorry bro, you're dead, right? It's right. one of those. It's
1: well, okay. So here's here's the thing: is you know, I, Chris, let me let me just uh, speak to that, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> because the insurance cost is so high, a lot of people don't purchase it.
0: Of course, not. Okay? I mean.
1: But here's the thing is, but if they're sick and they've got a cold, then they'll go to emergency. And so emergency becomes a bastion for non-emergency medical treatment.
0: Oh, very much so. Right? It, it just stresses your the system and COVID-19 has shown the weakness yeah. of it. Everything about yeah. the system has been shown to be completely weak and disgusting and it it destroy it It does, I mean, the fact that medical bankruptcy is one of the highest forms of bankruptcy in that nation is disgusting to me.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, but as a Canadian, and my system is not that great either, but guess what? I, medical bankruptcy is not a thing here. Right? Let's be very right. real. You're not going to get go bankrupt because you got sick or because you got hurt. Right. Right? That's not going to be right. a thing here. All right.
1: And, uh, and... And this is, you know, this system, uh, I never would um, say, but the uh, provincial health care system will send out when you hit a, you know, the demographic where there might be uh, increased risks. they will send you a notification say, oh, we realized you just recently had a birthday. Um, did you know that you're, you should get, you know, a breast exam or you should get a colon exam, you should get a this exam, because exactly, yeah. a prostate exam, right? It's all to ensure that it, you know, that you are getting ahead of possible issues that might arise that come up with the age, and so they're like, you know, make the appointments with the doctors. You don't get that here.
0: No, well, at all. The thing is, so like our system, I don't particularly think is strong enough in Canada, and so let me let's go. Let me explain the Canadian yeah. system. To which, yeah. of course, you're also uh, well aware of, right? Um, according to our constitution, hospitals and healthcare are under provincial control. However, because as a Canadian c- citizen, it became very clear that everyone in Canada deserves as a right health care. Right. Yeah. Because of that, uh, the federal government stepped in and it sort of equalized sort of payments ensured that it ensured that essentially you as a Canadian citizen should be able to get comparable health care across the country. Right. Right. Uh, you know you you know you're you're from Ontario but you're visiting BC you get hurt you know you should be able to get comparable health care uh, and it also allows for a little bit of customization realistically speaking you know uh, what one province needs as in, in terms of healthcare needs and for their population might not be the same for another right. um, and it allows a little bit of custom customization between you know areas and demographics but fundamentally it's trying to get an equalization across all of Canada so every citizen is covered. The same, but the provinces administer this as the healthcare insurer. So in Ontario, where I live, um, the province of Ontario has the Ontario Health Health Insurance Plan, OHIP, as it's called. Right, right, right? Uh, British Columbia, other provinces have their own health healthcare plans, um, and so I'm covered under OHIP, under, and OHIP will cover me in any doctor in, in in the province, wherever I go, I'm covered. I got my OHIP card, I'm safe. Right. Yeah. Right say if I don't have my OHIP card and guess what? I'm hurt. emergency rooms available. You know, it's going to be fine. Trust me. I'm a Canadian citizen. I'm already covered. Right. It's fine. Right. Even if you're not a Canadian citizen, they might just bill you, but to be very fair, they're going to help you. First thing first is help you. Thankfully, that's mostly the same around the world. Um, yeah. But that, that's how I'm covered as the, as Ontario is the, the only insurer, so to speak, they get to, you know, dictate. And, and so like the United States, our medical networks our hospital networks uh doctors offices and everything they're all private businesses they are not government run they are not government owned right but right. what they do is they build the government and the government like an insurance company will be able because they're the largest insurance company will be able to look and go like now nah, that's exorbitantly high we're not paying that much mm. there are the ones with the bargaining power and they'd be like well but why should government be able to do that i go like that's what insurance companies do that's why they big insurance companies get to dictate right that's it's it's the same thing but the difference is now we're in the pool with an Mm -hmm. even larger group and they all get to and and they get to dictate and they dictate what's best right right? it's people think governments you know tend to spend too much but inherently medicare is something you have to spend on and it's something that you can reduce the cost of if you have a single you know large conglomerated insurance uh, package That's shared across millions of people because then they're the only game in town and they're the ones who can keep on drawing prices down and the reality they can. And people are going to wonder, it's like, oh, but doctors don't make that much because like, of course they do in Canada. You think we have an exodus of doctors? in the no. uh, there's there's one province in particular is uh, quite conservative uh alberta i i tend to make fun of those guys a lot but part of their thing is that they're moving slowly to dismantle and harm their own um uh system by you know essentially trying to turn it privatized it, it's mm-hmm. not direct but you can see everything that they're doing is really harming their medical system and as a province they can do that and what you're seeing though is an exodus of doctors
1: yeah.
0: Right? Up to forty eight percent of doctors in Alberta are trying to consider are consider leaving. Right? They should theoretically right. be making more money, but no, yeah. the reality is is the province is trying to is messing with the way Canada works. And so they're going to other places. Right? Alberta's falling apart because they're an oil, you know, economy where we're reaching a world point in the world where oil is not really that important anymore. Um yeah even though they have tons of it Mm -hmm. but but there it is so we we no system is perfect even Canada has the issue of wait times right um generally speaking though COVID has shrunk those wait times down because people are not you know people are trying to stay away that
1: matter Chris here in the U.S. we have wait times too I mean I you know what I have to see a specialist for my eyes because you know there's some scarring or a hole or something and we're monitoring it guess what um you know, when I, last time I was there, I, you know, the doctor was like, okay, I, I want to see you at this time. Well, you know what? I got the call. Uh, we've got it in our notes that you're supposed to schedule an appointment. So I called back to schedule an appointment. Guess what? I still had to wait almost two months to see my doctor because he wasn't available.
0: Oh, and... Oh how about this? Go to another doctor, you know, like there's plenty of eye doctors out there. Oh wait, is he out of your network?
1: Yeah. <laughs> right. Is he out of your network? Yeah. Mind you, I, I mean I, I like my doctor, so I wouldn't want to go to, him, Understand. to another one. But that's I mean the I'm point. willing to wait. But the thing is that but yeah, that, I still had to wait.
0: But that's the point though. You shouldn't have to be able to go like, all right, I can't wait. I need to find someone who's able to take me. Is he within my network? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like that shouldn't be a question. Because-
1: and why is that important for those who are not of you know familiar with the US system? Is because if you go to a doctor that's out of your network, the cost may not be covered or you're gonna be responsible for a greater amount of that cost. Precise. And here's the thing is they also dictate what kind of procedure you and treatment you can get. So I know my doctors have had to write essays. <laughs> they have to write They have to write and explain and get pre-authorization for certain procedures that I've had to have, because the the position of the um, the insurance company is no, it's not needed. Well, how the fuck do you know if it's needed or not? Are you my doctor? Are you in that room with me? Yeah. So yeah.
0: Why is this middleman coming between you and your doctor? Your doctor is listen. Your doctor is the one who's the, the, the expert here. I know there's no, like, the, there's the, this panel of experts that, that the insurance companies put together to determine whether... Uh, it's bullshit. Yeah, I'm not even sure if it's fucking real, but whatever. The Canadian system, in my opinion, is not perfect because we there's certain things not covered. Dental, um, what's called, uh, essentially teeth and eyes, essentially, are not covered.
1: You bet, Chris. It's not covered under medical, uh, medic, uh, medical treatment here, too. Medical or uh, health insurance you have health insurance and then you have dental and vision that's yeah. still outside the scope
0: yeah we have that as well um, and that's that's essentially that's where our system ends right our system is very right. much a conglomeration of a single payer system and a privatized system where we have private entities and we have our government being our thing that was that's the system that the united states would most most be e- easily able to to do it's relatively easy, you already have the infrastructure when it comes to the Medicare Medicaid, um Medicaid uh, system that, that exists, right? It just needs to be, it theoretically needs to be expanded for all. Now, that is, that's, the, that's Canada. Now, I didn't always live in Canada. I spent a number of years in the United Kingdom. And their system, and they will complain about it all day, but their system is one of the best in the world. Yeah, And their system is completely and even
1: n- that is under attack.
0: Yeah and well they they're in successive neo-conservative governments that uh, like to just destroy and cut you know essential services like medical you know something that is so fun like the NHS is something that no one wants to come out there and be against because you are it's political suicide. And so yeah. and so the National Health Service or the NHS in the, in the United Kingdom, is uh, a completely nationalized health service where every aspect—doctors are actually uh, employees of the government, uh, hospitals are part of government networks, everything—they are. It is a hundred percent nationalized. It is the purest form of what you would think of as socialized uh, medicine. And on top of that, dental, dental, and um, uh, optometry are included. That's all part of it. You can get you, you can mm-hmm. get your dentist done, you can get your eyes done, you can get your healthcare checkup, and guess what? covered baby you want to get even better prescriptions even in canada we don't have like limitation on prescription costs where they can get quite high right, right? Yeah. in the in the united kingdom prescription cost doesn't matter if you're getting one pill or a thousand it is eight pounds i think it went up right. to like eight pounds 90. 16 dollars <gasps> holy crap that's all it takes for you to get any sort of medication that you acquire hey if you're under 16 guess what you get you it's get free. it for free you're over 65 guess what it's free How genius is that? Guess what? Your health care is what matters to them. Why? Because they determined that it's a right, that a human right is to be healthy. And guess what? I agree. It's very simple. I do
1: too. I don't think anybody would disagree with that. Oh, no. Unfortunately, it's a.
0: Here's the logic behind disagreeing with it. And feel free to disagree with me if you if you don't. The, the, the logic against disagreeing with it is that you as a person have not earned it, that your health is either your fault and that if you don't have, you know, uh, good enough insurance, you need to purchase it. If you don't have if you can't purchase it, it's because you're poor and you don't deserve it. Right. If you're poor, right. it's on you. Do a, I worked my ass off is the thing and therefore I deserve these things. You didn't. You don't. It's a deserve game to them. But guess what? When you make it a right,
1: it's right. It's a it's that idea of uh, a right versus privilege.
0: Yeah. And and of course, it's hard to to argue against somebody who believes that, you know, being alive is a privilege. You know, those are the same people who are, you know, the pro lifers who are against, you know, Medicare for all. I I pause and I examine like, you're really not really pro life, are you? You're pro birth. After that, you're like, yo, fucking, you know, figure it out yourself, idiot yeah and so but whatever that's that's a different conversation the point being is that i and you see it across the world you know france pretty much every sort of developed nation you know, like scandinavia to germany um mm. you see a metric ton of individuals who are able to and sorry individual nations who are able to provide healthcare for their citizens at good effective costs you know through this you know essentially the socialized system and this socialized system is per- it's perfect. And I'm going to throw in one other country in there to really just like screw the nail in when it comes to the United States system. You know who has a better healthcare system with better, uh, what's it called, rates of survivability and, 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 and just overall happiness? Cuba. What the hell? <laughs> oh my God. Castro oh my beat God. you on medical care? How is this possible? Right? I thought he was oh like straight god. up embargo to hell. But oh my god, when you think about it, the Cuban Mexican uh, the sorry, the Cuban medical system is amazing. It is it is to, in some aspects it's better than Canada because they have more coverage than we do. It's uh, And I'm not saying Cuba's perfect. I'm just saying that they got this right. You know? If they got this right, you know, can't we, can't any, can't we as people just go like, okay, maybe we can get it a little bit better. I I think that people in America, I think being it's argued wrong.
1: that, um, Cuba's uh, medical system is based on uh, it, what you started off saying be, is based more on preventative yes. Uh, medica- medicine.
0: Yes. Well, it's, it solves a lot of problems if you can get to it early, you yeah. know, a stage one is a lot be- easier to beat than stage four right? If we get to it early, we're able to, you know, increase survivability, increase odds, increase everything. We just need to get to it early, right? And the problem is, is that when you are too afraid of paying for something, right? When medical bankruptcy is a possibility, you won't get to it early. You know, you're going to feel some pain, in your, in your body that you can know is not right, but you're going to power through it. And later you're going to find out that you're freaking dying because of it. You let this thing metastasize and grow inside of you because of your fear. And you don't deserve that. People do not deserve this. It is their right to be alive. And it is, it is the responsibility of the governments who, who are essentially put up, put there by them to take care of them. We expect our governments to provide us protection security right opportunity we, we expect this we should also expect them to provide us health because yeah. guess what we're working to maintain the system that they want right we're doing everything yeah. to maintain you know this project this idea right we need to get something out of it and it's not much to say that guess what our system's broken and let's look at every other example around the world and realize it's better, right? And Mm -hmm. when you refuse to, when you look at every other system and try to find ways around it, what you're really doing, and be very fair, what you're really doing is trying to justify your shit situation. Yeah. Right? Just admit that you can do better. And guess what? You will. Yeah. That being said, though, you know, all these different systems around the world nothing is truly perfect the people constantly complain about the NHS people constantly complain about the Canadian system people constantly complain in France people constantly complain everywhere and guess what it's all about improving something and that's the line just because something's mm-hmm. good does, or even acceptable doesn't mean that we can't make it better and that's the point these places yeah. have greatness but they don't rest on that. They don't think, oh, do you know what? We're good enough. That's the United States mentality. Apparently, they had it good enough with 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 the system that they have. But they never thought maybe we can do better. And all these nations are constantly wondering that, right? All these nations tend to be more liberal inherently. But uh, let's not get on to that.
1: Uh, uh, here's the thing, is, Chris. You know what? I That term liberal... It's just, you know what, it's been labeled as this extremely offensive um, term, and it really isn't.
0: Well, it's been labeled there. Literally, we have a party called the Liberals in Canada, and they're currently in power. So, I guess, you know, eat a dick, I guess. I don't know, man. This this topic...
1: (laughs) Take that back. I will take
0: that back. But this topic enrages me for one... And I have a very strong opinion on this topic, and let me explain it. You know, my brother... My brother uh, had kidney disease and he, he was, I think he got it when he was like 14 or something like that, a random Um, virus. I think younger. Yeah. Random virus essentially tore through his body and this virus, uh, HSP normally it would, it normally kills kidneys and your heart. He surprisingly enough, and it's an oxymoron to say it, he got lucky. He, his, his, his kidneys didn't get shredded up. Uh, sorry, sorry. His heart didn't get shredded up. But his kidneys yeah. did. Uh, right. later on in life, in his uh, late teens, early 20s, um, his kidneys finally gave out on him and he had to go on dialysis. He had to start the process of trying to get a transplant. He was on dialysis for five years at home um, and it wrecked him. It wrecked. It, it, it's not a good thing when your body is giving out on you that early for something that you had no control of. I'm not from an extremely well-off family, but I'm comfortable, right? Right. Nevertheless, nevertheless, I did the calculation of the cost of his treatment. Every year, 60000 yeah. Sixty to $100,000. Sixty dollars to $100,000 to keep my wow. brother alive every year for his dialysis treatments, for his medication, for his injections that he had to take because his kidneys no longer produce the hormone, right? To, right? to essentially allow his blood to keep on ha- getting hemoglobin in it. Right, he was right. sallow looking, he looked horrible he he didn't i mean life was horrible, it for was him. scary, yeah, and he was so young, and he and this is not like, oh, he ruined his kidneys through diabetes, or he did this because he was a moron he he none of wh- what happened to him was his fault, or could be controlled or stopped yeah but because of the but because of the wasn't system
1: Chris wasn't it Chris that um he'd gotten sick? Yeah. and it just activated it wasn't one of those things
0: that it's one of those things that most people have and then and then but for him it, it hurt him yeah but you know he, there it is but under and so and then eventually he got his he I think last year uh he he got his transplant Late last year yeah yeah he got his transplant and he's he's my goodness he he it's he's a different person altogether now night and day exactly
1: guys night and day difference
0: and the, even the cost of the transplant. Yeah. I think about the system that we're in and the fact that my mom didn't have to worry about money but just had to worry about her son. Right? Yeah. She just had to make sure that, you know, he kept going to school, that he kept his mind, you know, strong, that he did everything in his possible in her power to keep him going and to keep him yeah. strong enough to 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 get the kidney. Right? he's so young for this sort of thing and he's going to be doing this his entire life kidneys don't last forever even the ones that you get transplanted so he's going to, this is not this this journey is not done for him no, but this journey it. is not going to bankrupt him and never in, did in a moment where he's going to have to think about bankruptcy or never was there a moment where we had to think about maybe my brother was going to die because of a system that couldn't help him so okay. i said something kind of crude And I kind of apologize, but at the same time, I think about my brother and I think about many people like him and that's the empathy that people tend to forget. And because I have this experience, I have the empathy to do. So I think about people who need help, who deserve help. And I don't, I don't want to consider that their money and their status in terms of their economics and financial hardship should determine their life for themselves for their for their children for the people that they love and Mm -hmm. if that means i have to pay a little extra in taxes if that means that i'm going to lose a little bit more i'm okay with that i'm okay because my brother's alive right and that's enough for me that's yeah so i don't apologize for my anger
1: I'm not telling. It's telling you to apologize for your anger, Chris. Yeah, I'm telling you to apologize for your crudeness. Okay.
0: I can apologize for the crudeness, though. But that being all of that being said, I think that I
1: can understand and appreciate your anger. Yeah. And I can understand and appreciate the crudeness that yeah. can come out.
0: I think that people, you know, to use another crude term, pussyfoot around this. Yeah.
1: They, I don't consider that a crude term, but yeah. I was just like. Okay. Yeah.
0: I think that people just, they, they tiptoe around this issue like it's, like, like, and, and they don't consider the real human cost. Yeah. And it exists, and thankfully my brother didn't have to pay it. My brother didn't have to pay for a system that valued money over lives. And be, guess what? Medicine is about lives over money. The Hippocratic Oath doesn't say anything about defending a patient until he has, you know, not enough cash to pay you. Right. That's the reality other systems do it better and listen the United States is a nearly perfect nation it allows for so many freedoms right freedoms that other nations don't even get enjoy. even Canada right the United States is a free and beautiful place and it's missing in my opinion two things and if it fixes those two things you kind of have the best nation on the planet empirically and the two things are medicine and education Education is a topic for another time, I promise you.
1: <laughs> yes. And I agree with you, Chris. I yes. agree with you. There's this is an amazing country. Um there's so much potential. Yeah. And you know you see where it, you know, from its foundation, it's got a strong foundation. That oh. foundation is, yeah, and we've talked about it too because that foundation is marred as well.
0: Of course I mean nothing's perfect I mean You know But
1: What's important is to learn Absolutely And not to forget Absolutely Not to forget
0: So yeah And not to repeat Exactly
1: Those mistakes
0: Exactly but yeah um I'm sorry if this actually got pretty heavy uh, but this in terms as a Canadian, I feel this is an incredibly important topic. It's a topic that I'm very feel strongly about and and whenever the the needle moves in a way to damage our system up here, it becomes an incredibly important sort of talking point and political point to the point where if people even hint at the idea that they want to shift things right you're gonna have major upheaval right it is not a platform that is that is winning. No,
1: it's not. If you take a look at the UK, I mean, it's exactly what you said, you know what, political parties will not touch this because it is so toxic. Uh, People complain about their NHS, their, their healthcare benefits. But any talk of taking it away, and everybody's up in arms.
0: Very much. And that's the reality. Um,
1: And the thing is, we could Uh, this the u.s is one of the richest countries in the world we could provide medicare for all yeah this is not a concept that is
0: like it's not like the it amount hasn't of taxes
1: tested. that we pay as individuals yeah we you know what if rather they, than that... <laughs> if they diverted
0: some of your tax money away from the military I from, was going to say yeah, it, but from, I stopped myself. From trillions of dollars spent on trying to bomb an Arab nation to, 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 to dust. If you if you took that away and just spent a little on your own people, you would have been fine. You know? Yeah,
1: and uh, I'm going to, Chris, I, because I, I know we can talk about this uh, over and over and over again, and I actually would like to uh, do this topic again and maybe ask for um, you know others to join us. Uh, And talk about their experiences and what they would, you know, what for them would be the best type of system, right? But I want to leave everybody with this thought. And it was a article I saw earlier this week, this past week. And it was how the military had used funds that had been uh, earmarked for... Covid nineteen. To, for the use of um, military equipment and armor, developing military equipment and armor. Yeah. So you uh, take money that was earmarked for healthcare, and preventative. Then, yeah, and then and then w- yeah, use it on it for for on the military. military yeah, yeah. For the military.
0: Yeah, I mean, wasn't there a boat literally off the co- off the harbor of New York that was filled with people just you know infected with covid you know this yeah. military naval, naval boat right like yeah it was in the summer and, they, and, yeah.
1: and what what did they do they didn't rather than i you know and the captain got desperate right because there he wasn't getting support their the support and it and it got leagued. whatever got leagued. And he was, wasn't he discharged or was yeah. he, he was removed from the boat? But was he discharged as well?
0: I don't know if he was discharged. It wouldn't surprise but me. He, okay.
1: Yeah. I, we'll come back to you guys. And uh, But he was definitely he removed of his command. Yeah. At the first port, U.S. port where the, the ship had landed. And there's videos of him when he's walking down the gangplank uh, with... The sailors that are under his command cheering him on because he put his uh his you know he his did crew...
0: yeah he did the most important thing of any commanding officer which is he put is his men first crew. yeah yeah he put his his personnel first right and i and you know good on him right yeah the military is not and, and it, the military right, is and, a and necessary th- aspect of our of our daily life and security and yeah. but we need to use them appropriately and we can't send them into harm's way for nothing and that money that is used constantly to justify everything can be used better to to help people and so all right i want to shift from this incredibly heavy heavy and you know just straight up um infuriating topic for myself Um, okay and let's go to our (laughs) entertainment section know that we will touch on this topic again definitely in the future um as who knows, as perhaps maybe, uh,
1: um, we might want to um think about Chris. I, we, we are close to election, we might want to look at um, what the two, yeah, the party platforms, are. yeah, yeah, the party platforms because I think that's important, absolutely, um, for us to take a look at. Mm-hmm. Um, so that will be um, to come,
0: yes. Yeah, and, and on that uh,
1: note, we are going to pivot
0: Yeah, so let's pivot to our entertainment thing Which we didn't announce at the be, uh, beginning of the episode But we'll uh, sort of get into it now Which is Guy Ritchie films um, Oh god, this is a complete huge pivot uh,
1: <laughs> It's completely different Yeah, the the um, segue does
0: not work Alright, but here it is um, Guy Ritchie films um, Specifically four of them I think uh, four, three of which really represent his style And, and how he... Uh, and and, and the sort of things he does in films, and then one which is completely separate from what you'd consider a Guy Ritchie film, but is incredibly good. And so we'll go through the three films that are in his style, in his wheelhouse, that I particularly enjoy, or that we particularly enjoy, Um, starting with uh, Lock, Stock, and Two Smirking Barrels.
1: Yeah, so here... Okay, before we dive into it, right? So here's the thing is, uh, Chris, I actually saw his second movie first, and then went back, and to look for what cuz it was like this you know the second movie it was like what was his first one and that's when i saw um lockstock and two smoking barrels yes. for me um the second movie snatch i i love that movie like yeah. i have got so many like that's yeah, great moments yeah. In it
0: so lockstock and two smoking barrels is very much you know uh coen brothers uh like where it's you know th- these people trying to do some sort of like illegal action or job and and sort of like the the pitfalls and insanity Mm -hmm. involving it and and just the best laid plans just falling apart um i don't want to go too deep into it because it is his definitely is one of his early films and it has um a cast in it like i think it has jason statham in it right in one of his early roles
1: yeah
0: right it's it's it's, yes yeah yeah uh, and he's a, in a,
1: a lot more of his movies right yeah
0: as the yeah um and so yeah Lockstock two smoking barrels is, is his first film it feels like it but it's incredibly well well made it, it it's cast is, is stellar and it's sort of like that british crime quirky fast talking um humor style <coughs> of film that is um yeah it's very indicative yeah. of his style that that, that we'll see so, later
1: yeah so for me a guy rich movies always have um two things right they have amazing dialogue yeah right it's i mean i think the the delir- his, the delivery of his characters the dialogue the interaction of it it's it it's you know it's a guy rich movie with 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 within his that without that framing yeah. right very the other Tarantino-esque. Thing is yeah, it is. Um, but I, yes, it is. It is very Tarantino, but it's very distinctive. Yeah, it's, right? it's British. The other, it's very British. It, right. It's very, yes, it is very British. The other thing is that it's, you know, uh, he, he's very good at very what appears to be very divergent times or story arcs converging into one and how they interconnect and interplay yeah which again i think is like very yeah it's it's, it's very him yeah. those are i think those are the distinctive parts of his movies
0: absolutely and um sort of a continuation in terms of the that the, the strength of Lockstock and two smoking barrels um uh we have his second film which is superior in every way not to say that the previous one was bad it's just you know the, the the second movie is better because he's learned more. He's got an even better stellar cast, right? He's able to interestingly, you know, go through this stuff, and that is the film Snatch. Yeah. Uh, and Snatch is very simple. It's you know, uh, this entire strange sort of movie where all these disparate characters are somehow or another involved in circling around this diamond that's you know, uh, been stolen. This you know really right. big large diamond that everyone's after or people are not after but they sort of get a, a hold of it's it's this weird sort of tangled interplay between all these different characters and this MacGuffin, which is the diamond right uh and the cast is the strong part it doesn't you know it's not about getting the thing it's the strong part of this the interplay between all these different disparate characters
1: yes and... yeah the, the cast was really strong i i that's uh you know i i think Brad Pitt was the first time where <laughs> He was, he was. I think that was the first time he was in one of uh, his movies as yeah. well. I thought Brad Pitt did a great job. Yeah, Brad Didn't Pitt. Um,
0: him. Brad Pitt. Uh, unfortunately, he, one of his issues in terms of acting is that he's not a good. He, he's not good, really good at accents, um yeah. which is fine. You know, it's like not everyone has to be. In, you know, so you don't have to play British. Right? right but his solution to that is that he's has a pikey accent pikey is a sort of a derogatory term for um travelers or gypsies in the in the united kingdom um yeah. and um yeah it's and because of that he's allowed to play with it not make any sense the entire joke is that no one understands what he's saying <laughs>
1: yeah you're right it is right and um yeah and i think jason jason stratham his character is is really good i mean he has some of the best delivery
0: yeah uh yeah no jason yeah uh, you know his character uh turkish i believe uh is is definitely one of the it's a highlight but then again brad pitt's a highlight benicio del toro is a highlight um You know, like there there's so many Right, Frankie uh, Fourfingers. Oh, Frankie Fourfingers. <laughs> Vinny Jones, uh, Bullet Tooth Tony. <laughs> right. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um that scene where he, he goes like, I see your gun say replica on them and he he pulls out his gun and you can see my gun that says Desert Eagle point five O and everyone <laughs> just stops. <laughs> right.
1: Right. And it's <laughs> and it's his it's it's his um his stylistic, you know, cinematography, which like, just, you know, brings it out.
0: Yeah, it, there's nothing. The film is definitely one of his strongest films uh, that he's ever done. You um, know, Chris,
1: you know what? One of the best, like, statements or one of the best dialogues oh, um, that out of the movie that I love. No, no, <laughs> no, it's not his. It's where one of the characters comes back to the, to the U.S., right? Mm-hmm. And the U.S. Customs Officer says, anything to declare? And he goes, yeah, don't go to England. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that, that was hilarious. Yeah, that was I, great. Every, time, every time I hear that, I die laughing. Yeah. I
0: love it because it's like you he's definitely the ugly American type character but you see why it's like everything sort of falls apart there he's like all right just don't go it sucks. <laughs>
1: right? Yeah, for uh, him them at least. Yeah, and it so, sucked.
0: Yeah. It's just it's because he goes like he's, he's so fish out of water and then he's trying to find some sort of solution but nothing works. It's great. Snatch is a great movie. Um and he the thing the problem that I had with Guy Ritchie later is that Guy Ritchie stopped sort of following his own style um yeah and it all coincides right about the time where he married madonna <laughs> okay and then after he dropped uh, that you know 80 pounds of dead weight um
1: oh wow that was a very <laughs> again chris i could say
0: that wow. about madonna um after okay. he did there that there
1: might be madonna fans out yeah. there okay. after he
0: yeah after he did that for some reason his movies came back um, and one of the movies that follows in this line of, you know, very, very witty, fast paced, you know, British style of, mm-hmm. of, of, you know, just crime, you know, film was the, his new film that came out very recently, The Gentleman starring Matthew McConaughey and Charlie Hunnam. Yeah. And so Matthew McConaughey is our, is, you know, our sort of, it allows, you know, American audiences to sort of, you know, have their cipher, which is, you know, an American guy in England, but he is, he's been there for a very long time. You know he's a guy who's ingratiated into the culture he's he's fine but you know and he's the proverbial gentleman and and the idea of this guy who you know he he's essentially a drug dealer major one he he sells weed but the entire point is like it's only a matter of time before this becomes legal and so for him he wants to get out of the game he wants to sell his interest in his empire he wants to just get out you know just live his life he's done right right and But then all of the the hell and the mayhem that surrounds this, because that's the problem with when you're trying to get out. It's that moment of weakness that everyone tries to seize upon. Right. Right. And in that moment, it's all about, all right, will you be able to survive and, you know, be worth your medal in this sort of situation? Will you be able to, to outsmart and outlast and outwit your enemies? And it fits into that Guy Ritchie style of filmmaking and storytelling that is particularly good. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, in his movies, yeah. he
1: sort of his characters sort of, through his characters. You sort of see the underbelly. Yeah. Of um, or the seedy side.
0: Yeah. Of. It's it's the seedy humor side of England, where yeah. it's 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 always they're crime films, right? And yeah. the gentleman, uh, definitely one of his his new films, it's like oh, this is like a return to. To, to what made guy Ritchie really great and the gentleman was unfortunately was not a movie that a lot of people saw uh, <clears throat> uh, it's it did fine but it's not a movie that a lot of people saw I saw it after the you know it, it came out on home release um and yeah I really enjoyed it it, it definitely was one of those movies that uh you know it, it it was like all right this is like golden Age guy Ritchie right this is like this yeah. is what I was looking for again and I and it it's such a good movie and it's one of those movies that and the best thing about guy richie movies is that he goes like all right one and done stories we're not going to continue this we're not going to stretch it out we're not going to ruin this it's we're going to create a nice good right. one and done story right. um,
1: and and again the the movie is rich with uh, amazing dialogue amazing interplay between the characters you always wonder where is this going yeah and he's very good in terms of connecting the different um characters and lines, disparate storylines yeah and how they interconnect with each other and just it fits it's not contrived yeah or it's not forced
0: okay um uh all but right at least
1: that's my opinion
0: yeah i have one i'm gonna i don't know if you've seen this movie and it's not actually in our list but it only reminded me because guy richie and criminal stuff and it's one of my favorite guy richie movies that doesn't get a lot of uh play um it's called rock and Roller
1: i haven't seen it i've heard of it but yeah. i haven't seen it it's, you're recommending that you see it
0: absolutely it, it is it so it, it's it's more in the line of something like lock stock and two smoking barrels than say something i like snatch but it very much is that cd it's that old school guy ritchie cd criminal empire style of you know like all these different disparate storylines coming together um it definitely is like that. It follows into that formula and routine. Um, but I, I also really enjoyed it. My only issue was, is that unlike his other movies, which are one and done, Rock and Roll sets up a sequel that never happened. <laughs> so... Oh, well, um, I it, hate that when that happens. It's not, but here's the thing. It's like, it's it's a sequel that, it's like a movie that's full one and done. But at the end, it says, what's it called? We'll see you next time in the real Rock and Roll. I was like, ah, damn, I wish they just cut that part out. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh i would say all right just before the credits click and yeah, just end um uh but uh nevertheless rock and roll is a good one i'm not going to go into it but it, it's it's for you to okay. to consider to watch um i will so yeah.
1: who's in it um, uh
0: so it's got like everybody in it it's got gerard butler idris elba tom hardy um uh who else <sighs> try to remember every single person uh and now i get tandy newton um, it, it's got like pretty much every British person in there. It's got Tom Hardy before he got jacked. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. It's like, it's got skinny Tom Hardy in there. And it's like, this is before he became really jacked. So it's, um, it's one of those films and it is, it's, it's, it's really good. You should watch it. Rock and roll is, is, is one of my favorites.
1: Actually, um, you know what? I may have actually seen it.
0: Yeah. You're, you're remembering, right? <laughs>
1: I am. Cause now I'm thinking of like, um,
0: you know, Oh, Mark uh, Strong. The oh one of my favorite british actors living mark strong oh.
1: and that's a, the other thing is uh you know he really does attract strong actors to his movies which which you know elevate them yeah if, if you had some somebody who was not that good doing type of dialogue i think it would be completely different
0: yeah all right and so the last movie to talk about um is a movie that actually is outside of his normal wheelhouse, which is The Man from Uncle, um, which is a 60s era spy film with uh, um, Henry Cavill, uh, Army Hammer, and Alisa Vikander, and uh, Hugh Grant.
1: Yeah. Right, I enjoyed um, that movie. I oh, thought it was
0: really great. Yeah, it was one of those movies that to me was surprisingly good. Like I, I didn't expect much of it, but I I was like, this is it. So much to the point where I was like, all right, I got my. Li-. It's like okay, Henry Cavill easily could play Bond. Henry Cavill easily easily could play live action. Uh, what's called Sterling Archer if they decide to do a live action Sterling Archer movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, uh,
1: I would love to see a live action Sterling. Uh. <laughs> archery movie yeah that would be fun
0: yeah and he could he could easily do it he's playing american in it as opposed to him his normal british self so it perfectly fits um right uh but yeah army
1: hammer play plays the kgb agent
0: yeah he plays a russian agent it's sort of like height of cold war kgb and Ru- kgb russian agent and uh uh cia uh, uh what's called american agent have to team up to to work together to deal with so a problem. you
1: know uh chris i it sort of gave me a feel of you know the Sean Connery type of bond films.
0: Yes, it, it definitely it's all about that. It's 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 very much mimicking that sort of stuff. The uh, you know who the villains are, what the threat yeah. is, it, and the the the, the, the time the, the sort of like the era in which it does. All of it is very much um you know 60s era spy bond film and yeah. it does it well and it doesn't forget what it is though. It's not truly aping them but it's definitely paying homage. So Right. Uh, yeah it's it's that's a really good movie that's outside of this whole British crime angle that's more you know it it that's completely different. and for me
1: right it, well, it's completely different, but it still uses his formula, right yeah it still do, you, you still have the action you have the the witty dialogue, you have the um, the the different arcs that converge. I, yeah. it still has his formula, but yeah, it's not your it's not the the british crime capers
0: exactly um i think that's a good place to end it uh i hope you guys enjoyed uh this episode our really really heavy top half but also our fun and more movie uh, recommendation second half. yeah
1: i hope you guys enjoyed it too and thank you again for joining us um i know that the top half of it we were pretty heavy um and chris got a bit ott in his yeah. passion, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, but hey, this uh, this is a very you know it it's it, these are topics that were really really um, passionate, really about. important to us. So passionate yeah. about exactly, yeah, exactly. And on that note, everybody have a great um, Saturday um, or weekend, and um, and the upcoming week, and we will we will see you next week.
0: Yep, yeah. see you guys. Bye. Okay. Bye. Bye.